We'll take our text this morning from just one verse in the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We'll look at verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. This was one of the Lord's many promises. But as is the case with all of the Lord's promises, there is a promise but a condition. If we meet the condition, the Lord, of course, will always fulfill that promise. But here the Lord speaks about a hunger. Many of us have maybe experienced in some degree a physical hunger. But the Lord is speaking about a different kind of hunger here. It would almost seem like a paradox that the Lord would mention hungering and being filled in the same verse. But the key is found also in this verse. We can be filled when we hunger for the right things. And of course, the Lord here said that thing we should hunger and thirst after for is righteousness. Righteousness is acting in accordance with God's divine and moral law. That is being free from guilt and sin. So in essence, what Jesus is saying here is those that seek after the things of God, those that have a desire to adhere to the word of God, and those that desire to live holy, godly lives free from guilt and sin, the promise is that they will be filled or satisfied. You know, there's a lot of hungry people in this world, not just physically hungry, but spiritually hungry. One of the verses we heard today in our lesson mentioned about there would be a famine in the land, but it wouldn't be a famine of bread, but of the hearing of the Word of God. Well, the problem is too often people spend all their time feeding the flesh and ignoring the Spirit. And when they do that, they're never satisfied. You know, man is two parts. He is physical and spiritual. But too often people try to satisfy their physical side while neglecting their spiritual side. They want temporary satisfaction or instant gratification without any thought of things that are eternal. Jesus addressed this in other scriptures. He talked about, admonish us to lay up treasures in heaven. Or moth and rust don't corrupt, and where thieves can't break through and steal. He said, For where your treasures, there will your heart be also. Christ asked a very compelling question. He said, What would it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? To tragedy is man often chases after temporary things and all the while ignoring eternal matters until it's too late. You know, in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 2, it asks a question. It says, Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Prophet here was asking a question. Why do you waste all your time and your money and your energy and all of these efforts and resources 
chasing after something that will never satisfy. Delight yourself in the Lord. That's the key. Seek after the Lord's righteousness. You know, just the other day I read an article about a man who spent his entire life savings on on lottery tickets. He said at one point he was spending $3,200 a day to purchase these tickets. It says this man, known only as Zhao, sold his apartments, his four apartments, his four cars, his watches worth 6 million yen. He actually lived in, in Shanghai. That's the equivalent of about 958,000 U.S. dollars. And he did all this to fuel his buying habit. Well, as a result, he won 400,000 yen, which is the equivalent of about $64,000. He won that at one point, but eventually he lost it all. Pretty sad. He was trying to find something in this world that would never satisfy well, you might be thinking, oh, the story might be different if he actually won something. That's not the case either. Statistics show that 70% of all lottery winners are bankrupt within the first seven years. So we can see money doesn't bring satisfaction. Chasing after these things will never satisfy the deepest longing of the human heart. You know, as long as we feed the flesh, the spirit will never be satisfied. Somebody once asked Rockefeller, is there ever enough money? Does a man ever have enough money? And what's enough money? And he responded by saying, it's always just a little more than a person has. This man was one of the wealthiest men in the entire world, started the standard oil company, yet he couldn't find satisfaction for this thing he was longing for because he was feeding the flesh and ignoring the spirit. Ecclesiastes 6-7 says, all the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet his appetite is not filled. You know, if we neglect the spiritual man, that will be the result. Jesus has the answer. We know. Christ himself often referred to himself as that bread of life. If we look in John chapter 6, verses 47 through 51. John 6, 47 through 51, it tells us this. Jesus' own words. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread that cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And we'll look at verse 58. It says, This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Jesus is the answer to that hunger in every heart and every soul. He says, I am the bread of life. You know, the message is still the same today. If you're looking for something and you haven't found it in this world, Jesus Christ is the solution to that hunger. We want to hunger and thirst after righteousness. 
You know, sometimes choosing the right things isn't always the easiest choice, or maybe it's not always the most appealing or the most appetizing choice. You know, if somebody set a creme brulee in front of me and a bowl of steamed vegetables, I know what my flesh would say. I would go for the creme brulee every time. If I were paying attention to my flesh, But if I were thinking about the long-term effects, if I were of the presence of mind when that opportunity came and I thought about the long-term effects or the consequences of that choice or those choices, I might choose differently. A steady diet of creme brulee wouldn't be good for me. It may taste good, but the effects would be very negative. Well, sometimes in the flesh, when we're faced with choices and we... uh, It's always easy, you might say, to defer to the flesh or to do those things that would please the flesh. Unfortunately, while ignoring the Spirit, you know, can man always trust his own instincts to make the right choice? Well, the Word of God says no. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You know, one of the oldest tricks of the devil is to get us to go after those things which appeal to our flesh and ignore the Spirit. You'd like us to feed the flesh and starve the spirit. Focus on momentary pleasure or uh, instant gratification and ignore the horrible consequences that are a result of that decision. We see clear back in the Garden of Eden. We read the account of Eve. God gave her an Adam a commandment, said, you can eat of every tree of this garden except for one and don't touch it, don't eat it, because in the day that you do, You'll die. So they knew what the effects would be of disobeying that commandment. But Satan came along, and you know what he did? He appealed to Eve's flesh. It says, When she saw that the tree was good for food and pleasant to look at, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she partook of that tree and she ate of it. And we know the consequences of that action were disastrous, plunged the entire human race into sin. But the devil will always try to appeal to the flesh. It's the oldest trick in the book. Well, sin may appear appetizing at first. Often it does, but there's always a penalty to sin. We've probably all heard that phrase, or many have heard that phrase, if it feels good, just do it. That actually was popularized during the 60s, during a time known as the sexual revolution. And the idea was that you could just throw off all moral restraints, all modesty, all decency, do whatever, please your flesh, no matter how deviant, no matter how perverted, just do what feels good and don't worry about the consequences. Well, I just found an article a while back. This was actually in the New York Post. This was written just a few years ago, some 60 years after the sexual revolution. And the title of the article is The Tragic Fallout from the 60s 
sexual revolution. And it listed a whole slew of problems in society today that can be traced back to those roots. We know that that led to the dismantling of the nuclear family. And that resulted in fatherless homes. And you know, it's just a chain reaction that caused an increase in crime, mass shootings, alarming rates of mental illness, the opioid crisis and drug abuse, childlessness and abortion, loneliness, increased suicide rates, the transmission of STDs, all of these things, these great fruits of this supposedly called freedom that these people embraced and the fallout some 60 years later still has a devastating effect on people's lives. See, the problem is too often people want to feed the flesh and they don't think about the consequences down the road. Well, there's consequences that always follow that. We know it says the wages of sin is death. But there's another part to that. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We're so thankful there's a way out of that trap. It's through Jesus Christ, that bread of life. You know, when I receive a dinner invitation, I always want to make sure I'm hungry when I show up. I don't want to insult the host or the hostess. And I want to get invited back. So if I know I'm going to go somewhere and accept the dinner invitation, I try to curb my appetite or I try to uh, watch my appetite. I don't want to overindulge. I want to be hungry when I get there. Well, you know, when we come into God's house, we want to come hungry. The Lord has prepared a table before us. He has. Every time we come into His house, the Lord spreads His table of grace out in front of us. He gives us an invitation. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, when we come to God's house, we want to come with a good, healthy, spiritual appetite. But we also have to realize that what we feed on during the week will greatly affect our appetite when we come to God's house. You know, if you've been filling your mind with junk, if you've been entertaining yourself with garbage. Don't expect to receive anything from the Lord's table. Don't expect coming uh, with a healthy spiritual appetite. You've, you've spoiled your appetite. That's why the Bible says, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, if you've been starving your spirit and feeding your flesh, don't expect the Lord to fill you up when you get to His house. We must, we must come hungry. We must come with a desire for the things of God, an expectation and an anticipation. We're going to meet with the Lord, and we're going to have that open communication, and we're going to have that desire to seek the will of God. You know, a few years ago, I found out that my girls were actually hiding cookies from me. Um... At first, it kind of bothered me, but I understood why. They weren't concerned about my health. They were concerned that they wouldn't get any if they didn't hide them. And that's true. But you know, I've asked them many times, 
Get that stuff out of the pantry, because if it's there, I'm going to eat it. I've begged Holly, stop baking cookies and muffins, because if they're there, I'm going to eat them. I just have an appetite for those things. But you know, if those things are gone, it won't be a problem. If they're not available, I'm not going to eat them. Well, sometimes, spiritually speaking, maybe it's time to clean out the pantry. You know, you come to God's house and you don't feel anything. You don't feel like seeking the Lord. You don't feel like seeking the Lord for your deeper experiences. I hear many say, I'm seeking to be sanctified or baptized. What are you feeding on during the week? It's going to affect your appetite for the things of God. Sometimes we need to take inventory. And you know what? Sometimes getting a hunger for the Lord, it may require making changes in your diet. But it'll be worth it. The Bible says, They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. That's a promise from the Lord Himself. You know, sometimes in considering what we've been feeding on, consider your entertainment choices. What kind of things are you watching during the week? What kind of things are you listening to? What kind of things are you feeding your mind with? God's Word gives us a list in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. It says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, you could add a couple things to that list that are mentioned in other scriptures. Profanity, blasphemy, those that take the name of the Lord's in, in vain. It says, these people won't have any part in the kingdom of God. These are things that God hates. Now, think about the entertainment industry. What kind of things do they sell as entertainment? Well, you think about that list right there. Tragically, all of those things on this list are billed as, as what's considered now as, as entertainment. If you're feeding on that trash, you're going to starve yourself spiritually. There's going to be no appetite for the things of God. You know, spiritual hunger has to be cultivated. It has to be developed. It, uh, you know, Eating good foods and having a good diet, that's something that we have to develop. Psalm 101, verses 2 and 3, part of verse 2 and 3, it says, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. These verses were written a long time before there were any home entertainment centers or any home theaters. But you know the principle is the same. We want to walk within our own houses with a perfect heart. We won't willingly choose to set anything in front of us, not if we're hungry and thirsty after righteousness. We won't set anything in front of us intentionally that would grieve the heart of the Lord. You know, anybody who's truly hungry and thirsty after righteousness They won't be feeding on things that God hates. 
Well, we have another list. This is what I call the challenge list in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. The Lord gives us another list. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. You know, you can develop a good, healthy spiritual appetite by doing what that verse says to do. Think on these things. Cultivate a good spiritual appetite so when you come to God's house, you're hungry for the things of God. If it requires cutting out some things out of your diet, getting rid of some of those things, and seeking the Lord, setting a time specifically apart just for seeking the Lord, thinking on the things of God, cultivating that hunger. The Bible says, if you do that, you will be filled. You know, sometimes deficiencies in a person's diet can cause them to crave things that are harmful or even fatal. There is a condition I heard about a few years ago. It actually has a name. It's called Pika. P-I-C-A. I don't know if that's an acrostic or an acronym for something else, but that's what it's called. It's an actual condition. There's been case studies and uh, recorded and documented. And this is an eating disorder that involves eating things not thought of as food or eating things without any nutritional value. And the list of things that are consumed by a person with pica are these. Paper, soap, cloth, hair, wool, soil, chalk, talcum powder, paint, and starch. Some attributing factors to this condition, they say always are because of a deficiency, either an iron or a zinc deficiency or anemia or malnutrition. It also says that this condition can affect children, adolescents, and adults of both genders. So it's non-discriminatory. It can affect anybody. But it is treatable. Treatment includes identifying the deficiency, finding out what it is that that person is lacking, treating it accordingly, and amazingly enough, the problem disappears. In other words, if they're iron deficient or zinc deficient, Treat them with a supplement, and usually that takes care of the problem. Well, you know, I thought about it. Pika is a lot like sin. Sin, there's no spiritual nutritional value at all to sin. It always causes a deficiency in a person's soul, and in their spirit it causes a vacuum and a void. It causes people to crave and do things that are harmful and even fatal to them. The more a person feeds sin, uh, the more malnourished and starved they become. You just continue to feed it. It continues to grow. It's never satisfied. It's non-discriminatory. Sin affects everybody. Every man, woman, child. The Bible says we're all born in sin and shapen in iniquity. 
But the good news, there's a cure for sin. We have to recognize the problem. We're all born in sin. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. So we recognize that problem. The next thing we do is we confess that sin. We repent. We call on the name of Jesus. And the Lord saves us from our sin. But it is curable and treatable. And cure is provided by the blood of Christ. By that bread of life. Jesus said, this is my life. This is my flesh that I give for the life of the world. Aren't you thankful? There's a cure for sin. There's a way out of sin. You know, sin is always consistent. It may look enticing or even appetizing at first, but the end results are always the same. It's 100% fatal. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, in closing, we'll just summarize our scripture reading. We won't take the time to read it, but as we consider that account of the prodigal son, we see two very important lessons to consider from that account. We see the deceitfulness and the degradation of sin. We also recognize the Father's love and compassion and forgiveness. You know, the story is about a young man. Sadly, he bought the lie. He was deceived. He had everything he needed in his father's house. Everything was provided. He should have been completely happy and content, but he got the idea that somehow there was something out in the world that would satisfy him. So we know he came to his father one day and he demanded that his father give him everything that he had coming to him. We see ingratitude. Well, it says he took those things that his father had worked so hard for. And it says he took those things and it said that he wasted his substance with riotous living. He wasted his substance. Sin is wasteful. Sin will take your time and your health and your resources. said he found himself in a far away country. Sin will do that. Sin leads people farther away than they ever expected to be. Sin separates. Sin isolates. You know, the pleasures of sin has its limits. Verse 14 says, There arose a famine in the land, and he began to be in want. It's like sin. You begin to feed that sin. It may be very enjoyable at first, But eventually it just starts to take everything, sucks the very life out of a person. And they find themselves in want in a very short amount of time. Sin will make you do things you never thought you'd ever do, never could dream of doing. I've talked to people who walked away from the Lord, got caught up in all kinds of habits and appetites over and over again. They said, I never thought I would find myself in this place. That's what sin will do. That's the deceptive nature of sin. Well, that's where this man found himself. He said he found himself feeding swine for a Jewish boy. That was the most humiliating thing, the lowest place you could get. But that's what sin does. It degrades. We see the degradation of sin. But you know, he didn't have to stay there. Aren't you thankful? We see the Father's love and His grace. His compassion, that young man said, when he was perishing with hunger, he came to himself. 
Aren't you thankful the Lord and his mercy and his grace, regardless of where we may find ourselves by poor choices and bad decisions, God's grace, he still gives us an opportunity to find ourselves or come to ourselves. And that's where this man found himself. And he determined he was going to make his way back to his father's house. You know what? He didn't justify his actions. He didn't blame anybody else. He owned it. He realized he said, I, I have sinned against my Father and before heaven. It was me, and he realized it. He was willing to humble himself, and he started back to Father's house. Well, it says that Father saw this man a great ways off, had compassion on him. It says, and when he saw him a great ways off, he ran and he fell upon that son, and he kissed him, and he wept, welcomed him back into the family. It doesn't say how long that son had been gone. It didn't matter. He made one move back to father's house, and we see the compassion of a father. We know that that's typical of our heavenly father. doesn't matter how far you've gone, how far you've drifted away from the Lord. If you're willing to humble yourself and repent, turn your face back to father's house. The Lord will meet you. It says that they killed the fatted calf and they had a feast. They celebrated. You know, in one day, that son was fed and restored. In one moment, really. You know, the same can be said for you today if you're here and you're looking for satisfaction. Maybe you've drifted away from the Lord. Maybe you've rejected the Lord and you've come to yourself. If you're willing to repent, turn to Father's house. The Lord will meet you. Today, the Lord is extending a dinner invitation. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Think about the trouble that the Lord went to so we can be partakers of his grace. He said, the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The invitation's there. Come, it says, all who are thirsty, those who are hungry, those who are weary, the Lord will give you rest today. Come to the Lord. The Lord will satisfy the longing of your soul if you're seeking to be sanctified. Come to the Lord in faith. If you need your baptism, ask the Lord. Say, Lord, put a hunger in my heart. If there's anything I need to cut out of my life so that I can pursue you, be willing to do it. God will bless you. Blessed are that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's a promise. You can have that fulfilled in your life this morning. Let's sing 503. These altars are open.